Our scripture for today is from Luke 15, 1 to 7, and 11 to 13a. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who need no repentance. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. Have you returned to the home where your heavenly father is? In other words, are you saved? If so, are you sure? If someone asks you, prove your salvation, what would you say? How can you prove your salvation? I believe time, time, we feel, am I really saved? Then why my life is so miserable? And I'm still sinful. So do you know how the salvation works? This Lent, I will like to journey with you about this homecoming story, the return of the prodigal son, based on a book written by Henry Newman. Newman tells us the principles of salvation by his reflection on the painting of Rembrandt, the return of the prodigal son. In the book, Newman portrays three characters, the younger son, the elder son, and the father. There are different stances on salvation, meaning of forgiveness, First, no one relates Rembrandt, the painter, Rembrandt to the younger son, the prodigal son. Rembrandt was young and talented. So he became popular and rich in his early days of career as a painter. Still, a lot of people know about him, right? Rembrandt. By the way, he's from Netherlands, Dutch, where 
the Conrad parents, ancestor from Dutch. He was a great painter, so he became rich. But like this self-portrait, he squandered his money to get drunk at a brothel all the time. No one said Rembrandt had all characteristics of a prodigal son. Brash, self-confident, spendthrift, sensual, and very arrogant. Once upon a time, I was like that. Sometimes I still like that. So I left my father's home. I thought I can do everything without him. But I realized that I am not the same person without my father, without my family, without my friends in this distant country. Rembrandt lost everything in his prodigal life. He achieved everything he earned, fame and everything, money and everything. But he couldn't be what he wanted to be. He lost his three children within five years. And his wife, which is the, the painted on the, as a prostitute, but that's his wife. His wife, beloved wife died two years after. Rembrandt was 36 years old. And he remarried and had two children, but only one child survived. But he continued his wild life and spent all his money. When Rembrandt died in 1669, he was only 63 years old. He was a poor and lonely man. But a critic said he began to regard man and nature with an ever more penetrating eye, no longer distracted by outward splendor or theoretical display. Rembrandt painted the return of prodigal son a year before he died. Obviously, Rembrandt portrayed himself as a prodigal son with emaciated body in a filthy and ragged clothing, but returned to home and embraced by his father. 
who had been waiting for him all, all the time. So no one said, I cannot but see there the one so self-confident and venerated artist who has come to the painful realization that all glory he had gathered for himself proved to be vain glory. So, to return home, we must leave home first. Or acknowledging I left home. Leaving home means rejecting God and His love, denying who we are, the children of God. But many people don't think they never, many Christians, they, they think they never left their home. Or some people, non-Christian maybe, people outside of a church community, they think they will never return to their home, which is church. They cannot return to church. Jesus ministered to, as you know, Jesus ministered to those who think they cannot return to home, the Father's home. For Jewish people, it was the Jerusalem temple. Because these people were stigmatized as sinners. By the society because they were tax collectors even you being sick even you have a disability even you got divorced even you are just foreigner you are considered as unclean or you cannot worship you cannot come into the father's house the temple. But then these Pharisees and scribes, very pious people, self-righteous righteous religious leaders who th thought themselves as a perfect, because as long as they keep the law perfectly, they consider themselves as perfect before God. They think they never left home because they will always go to temple, give their offering, do their duty. But they have no mercy towards those people outside of temple who cannot afford to go to temple, who have no access or permission to go to temple. But Jesus, the Messiah, he always hang out with these unclean people. Gentiles, prostitutes, tax collectors, sick people. 
people with disease, which means Jesus become unclean then. But Jesus didn't care. He just had freedom. Just minister to. He was a ministering, but mostly just living with them, eating with them, hang out with them all the time. So the religious leader criticized him. This man receives sinners and eats with them. So they deny, you are not the Messiah. You are not from God. Then Jesus shared these three parables. The lost sheep, you know, the shepherd went after one sheep, leaving behind 99 sheep. And the lost coin. And the prodigal son. And there's one thing in common in these three parables. God relentlessly pursues after the sinners, the broken, the rejected, the marginalized. When many Christians still think God is only with the righteous people in church like this, in the house of God, The story begins with the younger son demands his father, Father, let me have the share of the estate that will come to me. So basically he was saying he wishes, Father, I wish you're dead. Already dead. When we sin, we're saying to God, God, I cannot wait for you to die. That's what it is. That's how serious it is. Sin is not just doing do wrong, but it's a radical and heartless rejection of God. Sin is my own death as well. Because life, the true life, the eternal life, is from God. And the, our life, the eternal life, sustains being with God, in the relationship with God. If we are sinner, if we are sinning, then we cannot be associated with God. But we don't have that problem because Jesus washed our sins away permanently. But we cannot abuse that grace as just continuous sinning without repentance. A lot of people's salvation, Jesus' salvation as a license to sin. Oh, I think it's okay. Jesus loves me. Luke who was the only Gentile author of a gospel, include this parable. Maybe because he was a Gentile. 
because he was a sinner from the perspective of Jews. He said, the son left for a distant country. In a distant country, you cannot keep the Torah. You cannot keep the law of Moses. So a, where a Jewish man was impossible to be holy or clean in a distant country. Have you ever demanded your share, your life from God and left God far enough so you have a freedom to live according to your own perspective, according to your whatever you think it's right? I was born and raised as a Christian because I had no choice. Because my family was a Christian. We were just, just die-hard Methodists. My grandfather Methodist pastor. My father was Methodist pastor. My brother-in-law was Methodist pastor. My uncle was a pastor. My sister went to seminary. Christian education teacher. I was the only one not really excited about being Christian. Because when I was a teenager, I didn't want to be a Christian because of my father. I was active in youth group. Right? I went to the whole Sunday school, everything. But I needed this proof of God. I didn't have. So I was searching. So I wanted to encounter God by myself. So I left my home when I, I had the opportunity. So I came to all the way here. My mom, my uncle, California. About what, 6,000 miles away from my home. I thought, but you know, I thought I was searching for God, but in fact, I was avoiding God. I was deaf to the voice of love. I was searching for the voice of love, but I was just blocked my ear and pay attention to the voice of the world, more seductive, more promise, promising, more making sense. But after 10 years, my life in this country, as a being a deaf, a prodigal son, I encounter God. When I was a total despair, I was disappointed by all the work, all the efforts I did putting onto my dream. But the, my dream's gone, and all my hopes gone, and I, did, I didn't even know what to do. 
That was the reason 10 years before I didn't know what to do with my life. That's why I left my home. But now still, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't know what to do with my life. I thought God took my dreams. And I went far enough, there's no God. But I realized. I was standing before God, right there. I thought I left God, but I returned to God. To return to your father's home, then you must ask yourself first, to whom do I belong? To God? Or to the world. You know what? When your world, when your life really friendly to you, when really make you pleased, successful, prosperous, you wouldn't looking for God. It was in my ministry too. When my ministry going well, I really don't looking for God. I can do it. I have a confidence, self-confidence. Not God. Even in ministry as a pastor. When my, but when my ministry goes wrong, I see I am surrounded by all the enemies around me. No one believes me. Then I turn to the Lord. I'm able to listen to God. Hear the voice of God. You know, we are in the world until we die. But we are not of the world. We are not belong to the world. The younger son believed he is belong to the world. So he denied, rejected, the deserted by the world. When his monies all disappear, he was treated as animal, right? That is the world. The poor people, they are treated as animal, not a human being. We are belong to God. Even in this world. And we know it. We know it. Because God planted the eternal longing, the yearning for infinity in us. That's why every human being searching for eternity we are finite being, but we're looking for infinite life. Because the image of God, the eternal God, is in us, planted in us. But until we find our yearning, 
we are preoccupied by the thinking we belong more to the world than to God. Because we fear for the temporary world, not eternal kingdom. Dear beloved children of eternal Father, let's return home and stay at the Father's house. This is not after you die and you know, people do your funeral and you go. Home is right here. And Father is right here. True freedom. We're looking for freedom, but true freedom is being confined in Father's house. But a lot of time we are confined in this world. We think we confined in this world because we cannot let go of the, the, the benefit of the world. So we must confess as Newman does. He said, Here the mystery of my life is unveiled. I am loved so much that I am left free to leave home. The blessing is there from the beginning. I have left it and keep on leaving it. But the Father is always looking for me with outstretched arms to receive me back and whisper again in my ear, You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. This is good news. So believe it. No matter what the world saying, no, that's baloney. It is true. We are God's beloved. God will never give up on us. And the, every people out on the street, every people in their trouble, their addiction, their poverty, their broken relationship, no matter what, even people in jail, even people in Gaza, wherever, they are God's favorite. 